I have spent a lifetime of trying to put all the pictures together to make the big picture of God. If you don't read your Bible or study your Bible, then you're going to come up with all kinds of weird interpretations from the Scripture. Because what you do is you take a little piece here, a little piece there, and then you, in your imagination, come up with things that the Bible just simply doesn't say. And so uh, I'm talking, we started last Wednesday on um, the... um, Millennial reign of Christ. You say, what is millennial? It just means, it's a big Latin word, which means 1,000 years. And this is the reign of King Jesus on the earth for 1,000 years. You say, now preacher, why would Jesus need to reign on the earth for 1,000 years? Because of the Democrats and Republicans, that's why. Why would he need to reign on the earth for 1,000 years? To show us that it can be done. That, it, that God wanted it like the Garden of Eden. As Ezekiel said, the Garden of Eden would return. And during that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ will be righteousness and peace and grace. And the Bible says that they will beat their swords into plowshares. And peace and the, the nations will no longer study war. And there'll be absolute peace on the planet. Question, has that ever happened yet? No, and it's not going to happen until Jesus Christ shows up. Now, I, I'm going to talk today about the order of events concerning eschatology. You say, well, what's eschatology? Then again, that's another big word. It just means study of end times. And, you know, you have to be totally void of understanding to think that we're not living in the last days. The cheese has fallen out of your sandwich if you think we're not in the last days. Your elevator didn't go to the top floor if you think we're not in the last days. You need help if you think we are not approaching the coming of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight out of the book of Revelation. We're going to read quite a few verses, about 25 verses. We're going to read Uh, a lot of chapter 19 of Revelation, and then all of chapter 20. And I want you to listen to the words of this chapter 19 of Revelation and chapter 20, because we're going to talk about the biblical order of end time events. When and what is going to happen? What's next on God's agenda? What follows after the catching away of the church? What happens after the great tribulation? and so forth, we're going to go through 12 things that give us the biblical order of end-time events. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're in the book of Revelation. I'm going to begin reading with verse 11. We're going to read quite a few verses, listen carefully to what the Bible says, and understand that God is a God of power and wisdom and might. He's a God who wants to Uh, deliver mankind from their sin and from their iniquity. Um, It's real important that you understand that this concept that, well, God is just going to show up one day, boom, and heaven's going to open and everybody's going to be raised from the dead and there's going to be a general resurrection and then a a judgment, a general judgment. And that that concept, general resurrection, general uh, judgment, that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. 
The only place where there's a general resurrection is at the end of the great tribulation when the Old Testament saints are raised to begin the process of a thousand year reign. We're going to begin reading with verse 11. I'm not going to stop until we're done with chapter 20. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in white linen or fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of them and the flesh of all men, uh, them that sit uh, on the horses and the flesh of all men, both free, bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Jesus Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. 
And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. And Gog and Magog, together them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it whose, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the, book, in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those are verses of scripture that just, without Christ, you should be terrified. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ and you're receiving that and accepting that, you should be absolutely terrified because God is coming. You see, judgment isn't when we're all gathered together in one place and God decides, okay, you were good enough, you get to go to heaven. You were, you were too bad to hell you go. That's not the judgment that we find in the scriptures. We find an intelligent God uh, that is moving about in great wisdom and great power, showing us the end time events coming upon the earth. So I want to talk about biblical the biblical Bible, the biblical order of end time events. You may be seated. As I read those scriptures to you and talked about heaven open and the Lord coming and he's, you know, he, he's, he's, his vestures dipped in blood and he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, if that doesn't, if that doesn't get you excited, you know, you're either asleep or you've never been saved yet. What a beautiful thing truth that the Lord Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. A lot of folks don't believe in the return of Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ said it over and over and over and over again that he would return. Now, pardon me if I trust Jesus more than I do you. If you don't believe Jesus Christ is coming, I trust Jesus a whole lot more than I do you. Because Jesus Christ said, I will come again. I will come again. Those, those uh, four or five words keep me ticking, keeps me going. I will come again. They're in John chapter 14. But let's look at the order of events. Let's look at the biblical structure of end time events. Now, the reason I'm doing this tonight is because we're kind of deviating away from the millennial rain a little bit tonight, but you kind of need to know the order because we don't want you to be confused. The first great event on the horizon is the catching away of the church of Jesus Christ. 
that could happen at any moment. Jesus Christ could come and catch his church away. Many call it the rapture. They say, well, rapture is not in the Bible. Well, neither is Trinity in the Bible. In fact, neither is Bible in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the Bible. But I'm holding a Bible in my hand, and I'm preaching a Bible. Even if the word Bible's not in the Bible, Bible's still correct. I've got a Bible. So the next great event that's going to happen is the rapture or the catching away of the church. Paul spoke of it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, you're going to have people mock this teaching that Jesus Christ could come in any minute, that he could come, uh, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll make fun and they'll mock and say, there's no such thing as a secret rapture. You know, you're right. There is no such thing as a secret rapture. And you would know that if you'd read your Bible. Hello? There's people trying to, you know, discredit what we believe that Jesus Christ could come in any moment. And they say, well, they're just teaching a secret uh, coming of Jesus Christ. There is no secret coming of Jesus Christ. The church is waiting and ready. Amen? The, the catching away of the church, the rapture of the church is not a secret, and it's not a silent event that no one knows when he comes and goes. The rapture is a sudden event that the whole world will know that God had taken his church into the clouds to meet him in the air. The whole world will know that, and we'll be gone, and we'll be bye-bye to the world, and the world will plunge into the next great event after the catching way of the church is the great tribulation. The great tribulation will come. In fact, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, and also in chapter 6 through Chapter 19 of Revelation, all of Revelation basically is about the great tribulation. What did Jesus say in Matthew 24? I think it's in verse 21. Let's look at that real quickly. Matthew 24 and um, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. That pretty much sums it up, that there's coming a great tribulation. When did Jesus speak that? Well, it happened before Jesus came. Wrong. So, well, it's already happened. Wrong again. You see, the things that's happening on this earth is not in any tiny remotely uh, degree of what's going to happen in the great tribulation. I mean, World War I and II was bad. Civil War was bad. The Spanish flu was bad. The Black Plague was bad. The, the millions of Jews killed by Hitler was horrific and, and awful. But I'm here to tell you that the Great Tribulation will make that look like a Sunday school picnic. And Jesus Christ said it'll be so horrific that it will not be since the beginning of time, nor will there ever be something this horrific again. The Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is quickly approaching the world. And 
you know, I'm believing the Lord. The first great event is the church to be taken up. That's the first one. The rapture of the church. The second, the great tribulation. Then the return of Jesus Christ after the great tribulation. The return of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Jesus Christ is, you know, you got him coming twice. No, I don't have him coming twice. Jesus Christ comes to get the church, and the church goes to meet him. He's coming once to planet Earth. It's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. And in the catching away of the church, Jesus comes to the clouds and says, come up hither. And we go up to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Great tribulation begins. Second coming of Jesus Christ doesn't happen till the end of the great tribulation period. That's where I read he comes riding on a white horse, vesture dipped in blood. Remember we talked about it in Zechariah chapter 14, how Jesus Christ would come down into the valley of Megiddo and conquer the enemies and set up a great kingdom upon the earth. At this time, you say, well, what about Revelation chapter 1, verse 7? Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I probably didn't give these notes to Alan. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they that, they that, um, Every eye shall see him, and they that also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him, even so, amen. Who pierced him? Roman soldiers. Israel pierced him. So when he comes back here in verse 7 of chapter 1 of Revelation, that is the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. That's when Israel as a nation will turn to their Messiah and be saved. This verse 7 has nothing to do with the rapture of the church. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, the book of Revelation isn't about the rapture of the church. The book of Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's going to conquer his enemies. He's going to set up a kingdom on earth, a thousand-year reign for a thousand years. So let's look at these real quickly. I'm going to move through them fast, and we're going to pick them up. First, the rapture, the catching away of the church. Second, the great tribulation. Thirdly, the return of Jesus Christ. And we read about that in Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16. Then the defeat of the Antichrist. When Jesus Christ comes, the Antichrist will be defeated. So you got verse for that? Just read it to you. Revelation 19, verse 20, and the beast was taken, that is the religion, that is the political antichrist was taken with him, the false prophet, that is the uh, uh, religious antichrist, two men, two men, it's not just one man, it's two men. There's a political antichrist and there is a religious antichrist. The religious antichrist will be the strongest because he'll be the false messiah, and that's the false prophet. Notice in verse 20 that the beast was taken, the false prophet, and he that, the prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image, these both. Well, last time I checked, both means two. I mean, come on, write that down in your notes so you won't forget that. Both means two. We're cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. So when Jesus Christ comes, 
He's going to conquer the enemies. Israel's going to turn to him and be saved. Jesus Christ is going to set up a kingdom, and he's going to take the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, and put them in the lake of fire. They're done. They're done. They're going to burn. And by the way, they're still burning a thousand years later when the devil ends up in the same place they go, the lake of fire. But notice in verse, the, the next thing that happens after Jesus Christ conquers the Antichrist, he binds Satan. An angel comes down with a great chain and binds Satan. That's in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 6. So Satan is bound for how long? thousand years. It's very detailed what they did. They put a chain around him. They shut him up. They sealed the spot, put him in a bottomless pit. It, how many would agree that God is trying to say the devil's not going to have much mobility? Amen? A lot of people think, well, the millennium's going on right now. If it is, the devil's on a mighty long chain. This is not the millennium. This is not all millennialism. This is premillennialism, meaning that Jesus Christ is going to come and set up a kingdom. So I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe the Bible because for over 400 verses of the old prophets in your Bible, over 400 verses declare a thousand year, or not necessarily a thousand year, but a reign of the Messiah, a reign of Christ where the lamb will, will eat uh, straw like an ox. Children will play on the hole of an asp. Children will play with cobras, dens of cobra snakes, and they'll not be hurt. People will live to be a thousand years old, and if they die at a hundred, it'll be because they were doing no-nos. A baby will die at a hundred years old. Are we there yet? Come on, come on. It says the, the lion will eat straw like the ox. The child will play on the hole of a viper, snakes, play with a cobra, lead the, uh, lead the, 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 the lion and lead the, 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 the wolf and, and the child will play and, and no one will ever hurt and there's no war and there's peace around the world. Uh, you know, and then there's people say, well, I believe in all millennials. We're in it right now. Well, folks, I don't, I'm just not feeling that. These prophets said that it would be. Either these prophets are lying or they're telling the truth. And I choose that they're telling the truth. I choose that the Bible is correct in the Old and New Testament. I choose that the prophets did hear from God and they were true prophets of God. And so I believe the Bible is true. There will be a thousand-year reign. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And then we have the judgment of the nations. See, there's several judgments. There's judgment, Bema seat judgment for the church. There's a judgment of the nations. Then and by the way, at the judgment of the nations will be when I believe the Old Testament saints get there, they get resurrected from the grave. I believe at the, at the time of the the um, judgment of the nations, Israel will be assembled and God will create a thousand year reign upon the earth and the Jewish people will experience utopia and that will be where there will be the millennial temple that Ezekiel speaks of. It'll be, Jesus will be leader. He'll be over the world. 
In fact, Israel will become the superpower of that day. And Jesus will rule the world from Jerusalem. And King David will be his vice president. King David will work along with him to rule. And you say, well, doesn't it say the church will rule and reign with him? Yeah. Jesus Christ is going to use us in glorified bodies. When I say us, the church, Jesus is going to use you and I that are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We'll be in brand new glorified bodies that will never die. We'll be in heavenly bodies like Christ. And God's going to use us to rule the world. And he's going to rule the world through us. Amen. You, the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. The Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The promise that we would rule and reign. And by the way, the Bible says that Jesus Christ will rule the world with the rod of iron. Has that happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet. Have we seen worldwide peace yet? No, that hasn't happened yet. Why? Because there is coming a premillennial where Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to take the devil and going to shut him up. Now, let me explain some things. The judgment of the nations is when Jesus Christ returns and most of the people on planet Earth will be dead. But there will be what I call the leftovers. The, the Earth has about 8 billion people on it right now. And I'd say in the process of the Great Tribulation and catching away the church, et cetera, et cetera, there might be a billion people left, maybe even two billion people left when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth and sets up his kingdom. What does he do with them? What does he do with a billion, two billion people, the, the leftovers when he comes to set up his kingdom? He separates the sheep from the goats. That's what he does with them. It's the judgment of the nations. Now, I want you to understand something. At this point, Jesus Christ is no longer mediator for the church. He's now king, and we are his bride as a church. He now is king and ruler of the world. Go with me to Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46, and we'll see the judgment of the nations. Matthew 25. You know, I always, when I'd read Matthew 25, it says, you know, blessed are you, you gave me drink, and, and I was thirsty, and you, I was in prison, you came to me, and when did we see you in prison? When did we give you a drink? And he said, because you've done it unto the least, you've done it unto me. Remember the teaching? Well, let me read it real quickly, because I want you to understand something that just blesses my heart. Remember, this is the judgment of the nations. Verse 32 of chapter 25. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him and say, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, or fed thee thirsty, and gave you drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took 
thee in, or naked and clothe thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these brethren, these my brethren, and these my brethren are Jewish people. And it says, And ye have done it unto me. Now I'm not going to read the rest of it for the sake of time, but it talks about the wicked are cast into everlasting fire. So Jesus Christ is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Remember, he's not talking here about salvation. He's talking about ruling a kingdom. I mean, the king can do what the king wants to do. And so the king will choose people to live during the thousand-year reign because they treated the nation Israel right, that they lived a righteous life. Maybe these, some of them were saved, some of them, some of them wasn't saved. But some of them were very wicked and they treated Israel unkind. But then there was the tender-hearted one, the meek, that was meek in heart. And they, they fed the hungry, they took care of people in need. They were just good people, just good people. And Jesus Christ, of course he chooses the redeemed to stay, that's redeemed during the great tribulation, that, that is still alive when he comes. But he also chooses good moral people that's not necessarily Christians yet, but he allows them a stay on earth for a thousand years. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about Jesus' leadership as king and king of kings and lord of lords. We're not talking about being born again here. The, he lets people stay on the earth that are good people, moral people, that survived the tribulation, and they, their life will be expanded because of technology and because of medicine, because of the power of Christ, because of the healing of the nations. They'll live longer lives, and many of them people will have babies. There'll be babies born in the thousand years. Many of them people will be born again, because the knowledge of the word, uh, Lord will cover the world uh, as the waters cover the sea, and many people will be saved. They will have the opportunity to be saved. But those that had mistreated Israel, see, this whole thing in Matthew 25 is not talking about grace, it's talking about works. This whole story about the sheep and the goats and the judgment of the nation is not talking about grace. It's talking about works, how you treat Israel and how you treated others. And so when Jesus Christ comes and there's the leftovers, maybe a billion left on earth or two billion, Jesus Christ will determine who gets to stay and who goes into the lake of fire. Guess what? He's going to choose the wicked and the ones that mistreated Israel and the ones that mistreated each other. He's going to cast them into the lake of fire because they have sinned away their opportunity to be saved. But he's going to give others an opportunity to live on into the millennial reign, and one day they can be saved and be redeemed. That's called the judgment of the nations, so that Jesus Christ can set up a kingdom on the earth. I hope I'm not confusing you, but it meant so much to me when I understood that he wasn't talking about Grace here, he's talking about works, and no one is saved by works. So Jesus Christ allows these people that did good works to be extended into the thousand years. How many would agree living a good life will extend your life? Living for God, doing things for God, whether you're a Christian or not, how I many you know living a good life will extend your life? 
Amen. There are some exceptions, but the truth is people that take care of their life, eat right, treat others right, they tend to live longer. That's not always the case, but you know what I'm saying. And so how many would agree that King Jesus has the right to decide who gets to stay for a thousand years and who doesn't? And he casts those wicked ones into hell, into everlasting fire, and he gives these others the opportunity to eternal life. Now, I'm going to go one step further because you're going to be mad at me when I say this, but I want you mad. Jesus knows which ones of those righteous, good people, moral people are that will get saved. He knows who they are. So he's going to let them come into the thousand-year reign because he knows they're going to get saved anyway. Predestinated, elect, and called. So he has a thousand-year reign. How many ever read this Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats and you scratch your head and say, what in the world? You know, and and it's, it's the judgment of the nations. When Jesus Christ comes to earth, he judges the nations. He separates the sheep from the goats. He establishes the kingdom. And through his church, he rules the world for a thousand years. Where's Satan? He's in jail. He can't move. He's in the bottomless pit. Where's the beast and the false prophet? They're in the lake of fire burning. And for 1,000 years, Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign, and peace is going to be upon the earth. 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. That's in Revelation 20, verse 6. After the 1,000-year reign, there is going to be the loosing of Satan. Satan is actually going to be turned loose out of the bottomless pit, and that's in Revelation 20, verse 7 through 10. And someone would stop and say right now, that's crazy. Why would you let the devil out that's been there a thousand years? Why don't you just leave him there? Well, I think there's several reasons for that, and so I wanted to bring that up real quick so you could see why does he let the devil out? Well, it's to try them that were born during the Great Tribulation. You know, Jesus Christ is going to force people to do right. Outwardly, he's going to force them no war, no no unkindness. He's going to force them to do right. But just because you're forced to do right on the outside doesn't mean you're right on the inside. And there's going to be a massive amount of people that Satan's going to be loosed and go into the world, and he's going to bring this assembly of people on his side to make one last attempt to dethrone Jesus Christ, one last attempt to control the world. Why did he do that to the devil? Well, I think a thousand years, making the devil sit there in darkness for a thousand years, trying to think up a way to conquer Jesus Christ. I think a thousand years stewing in that dark place and not being able to move and bound for that pretty much shows us that there's no hope for Lucifer. There's no hope for the devil. I mean, he's not going to get better. This is not a rehabilitation um, uh, down in the slammer. You know, you're in jail for so long to rehabilitate you. You're going to put you in solitary confinement. And that's where the devil was for a thousand years, solitary confinement. But it didn't help him at all. When he got out, he started deviling again. Why? Because he's the devil. The devil, devil does deviling because he's a devil. That's just, that's just it, rotten eggs stink and the devil stinks. Amen? So Satan's going to be loosed. Someone asked the question, um, why is the devil going to be loose? Well, he's going to be loose because 
He wants to show the total depravity of Lucifer. At the same time, he wants to show the total depravity of man. Without a redemption from Jesus Christ, man will turn away from God. This also gives total victory to Jesus Christ. Because when the Lucifer gets out, you know what happens? He's destroyed and doesn't say much about how he's de destroyed. When he gets out, it says they get around and verse 10, uh, well, look at verse 9 of chapter 20. And they went up on the breadth of the earth. This is the devil in the camp and the beloved city. And what does it say? God does. And fire came down out of God, out of, from God out of heaven and devoured him. Pretty much the battle's over. Fire came down, done. Done. Fire came down, he's done. But there's going to be hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of people, because it talks about a, a large number, that will turn against Christ after the millennium. You say, well, how could there be that many people? They're having babies. In a thousand years, they're having babies. Now, you might get upset with what I'm about to say, but please hear me. I believe babies that die now will have the opportunity to live a normal childhood in the millennium. I believe they'll grow up in the millennium. They'll be given a choice. Why? Because you must be born again. Why do you think someone's going to get a free ticket to heaven because they died as a baby? I don't think you're going to get a free ticket to heaven because you died as a baby. If you die as a baby, you'll be with God. God loves children. When a child dies, the child immediately goes to heaven. But I think the child will be able to return to earth and grow up in that thousand-year reign and be given the choice to receive Christ or not. You say, well, that's crazy. You know they will. That's what I thought. But as you read the Scriptures, it's just unbelievable how people will turn against God even under perfect circumstances. You ever heard people say, well, you know, I grew up in a bad home. You know, I was in a bad neighborhood. And that's their excuse for being a drunk or an excuse for being a sinner. Well, that thousand-year reign is going to take their excuse away because no one's going to say, I grew up in a bad neighborhood. Perfect environment, like the Garden of Eden. And no one's going to be able to, to no, they, they sin because they choose to sin against God. Amen? So Satan's going to be loose for a short time. And at the time Satan is released for a short time, let me, let me go on to say this. It will show man's total sinful nature, thousand years of perfection. It also, the eternal wickedness of Satan, shows his, his total hopelessness. The removal of anything that can defile the new heaven and the new earth. After a thousand year reign, God's going to destroy the world, a new heaven and a new earth, and the thousand-year reign is there to remove any possibility of any corruption to the new heaven and the new earth in the future. That's God's thorough plan. Now, I'm going to share some things with you real quick. We're about out of time, but uh, um, let me say again, the loosing of Satan in Revelation 20, verse 7, total destruction of the planet earth. When fire comes down out of heaven, consumes the devil that had been bound for a thousand years, the whole planet's going to be destroyed. You say, how do you know that? Because Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, that the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth will melt down. 
I hate the scriptures right there. Looking for hastening under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we look according to his promise. Look for a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So Peter jumps ahead past the millennium and says, this is what's going to happen after the millennium. Satan is loose. God's going to melt it down and create a new heaven and a new earth. So you have the devil cast in uh, after the earth is totally destroyed. The devil is cast into the lake of fire. Look at verse 10 of Revelation chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Who? Where the beast and the false prophet are. How long have they been there? Beast and the false prophet have been there a thousand years. And, and Lucifer, the devil, is going to be cast into where the, the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what it's talking about here. And so then there'll be the great white throne judgment. After, after God uh, melts the earth down, totally removes the earth from any habitat, you say, well, what's he going to do with us? I don't know, but I know this. When he gets ready to melt the planet down, we'll be safe in his arms. The people on the earth at that time, I don't know exactly what God will do with them, but they'll be safe in his arms. They'll be okay. God's going to melt down the earth, as Peter talks about in 2 Peter 3, verse 12 and 13. And the devil's cast in the lake of fire. Notice in verse, uh, the great white throne judgment. I want you to notice a phrase in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven, what did heaven and earth do? Fled away. And there was found no place for them, meaning something, a meltdown, a total destruction of the heavens and the earth at the time of the great white throne judgment. And everybody that doesn't know God is going to be judged before that great white throne judgment. You say, well, preacher, why do they call it the great white throne judgment? <laughs> Give you one guess. It's the white throne. And it's a great judgment. See, you didn't know I was so smart, did you? After the great white throne judgment, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So everything's done. And then in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation, God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Everything's done. Now, I just give you the biblical order of end time events. Let me go through them real quickly again. The rapture. That could happen at any moment. It, it will be sudden. Great tribulation. The return of Jesus Christ. The defeat of the Antichrist and the beast. The binding of Satan. The judgment of the nations. The thousand-year reign of King Jesus on this earth and we reigning with him. The loosing of Satan after a thousand years. The total destruction of planet earth. The devil cast into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment. New heaven and new earth. Heaven is presented to us in chapter 21 and 22. That's pretty cool, isn't it? How many of you will give me just a, a few minutes? Uh, just a few minutes. I know you don't, uh, 
I don't usually ask for, for, for permission to do this, but <laughs> I, I want to show you something that's really interesting. Remember, do you remember when I said last Wednesday night there are those who believe that the thousand-year reign is the earth is barren, nothing's there, nobody's living there on the earth. It's just, you know, Satan's bound a thousand years, and, and the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign, we're reigning with Jesus in heaven on millennialism, and the earth is destroyed, and nothing's there on the earth, and, and then after the thousand years, Satan will be turned loose, and I don't know where he's going to get his army to fight Jesus with. Nobody's on the planet. I don't know how he's going to deceive people and deceive the nation. No one's there to make a nation. But then they teach that, you know, he gathers a crowd together and goes against Jesus Christ. Now, there's an interesting, I wrote these down. I'm not, um, I'm not going to ask you to go, in your, go with me in your Bibles. I just want to point out something. The earth with to, total destruction will come to the earth at the end of the, thousand-year reign. When Lucifer comes, fire will come out of heaven. Peter talks about the heaven shall melt with fervent heat, the elements thereof, and God will create a new heaven, new earth. Everything will be dissolved. Um, Isaiah 24, verse 19. Listen to what Isaiah 24, verse 19. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. Pretty much says what I just said, didn't it? Those in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23 and 26. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they that had, and it had no light. Verse 25. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heaven were fled away. Jeremiah is given a picture here. And Isaiah's given a picture. Isaiah's talking about the, being totally broken down. And Jeremiah's given a picture of the earth being totally annihilated. No, no one there. Now, I, I, I want you to see this because those, that, those of you that believe Jeremiah chapter 4, verse uh, 23 and, and 26, I'm going to go there. I said I wouldn't, but I'm going to go there real quick. Jeremiah, I hope I'm not boring you. Am I boring you? You wouldn't tell me if I was. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23. Did I not give that to you? Probably didn't. Let me find it. You got it? Jeremiah 4, verse 23. All right, I'll just go by that. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void in heaven, and the heavens, and they that had no light. Now, does that remind you of a scripture? Go ahead and go to the next verse. And I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. Now, if that doesn't remind you of Genesis 1, 1, and 2, the earth was without form, void, and darkness on the face of the earth, you can't, you know, you can't, you know, there's people that says, well, there was nothing living here before the Genesis account of creation. Nothing living here. Well, at the place where the earth was without form and void, you're correct. No one was living here. Jeremiah said someone did live here prior to that. You can't, 
You can't have it both ways. Either there was life here before the first creation, or he's talking about after the millennium. And I believe he's talking about after the millennium. There's going to be a new creation. It's going to be like the new creation in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. The earth will have no sea, no waters in the earth. God will create a new heaven and a new earth. I, you know, and, and a lot of people get that teaching from the Scripture that there won't be anybody here in that thousand-year reign. It'll just be a barren planet. That's not true. There will be someone here during that thousand-year reign, and be you and me. Did you know the script? And we're going to get into it next week about you know the the ox um, that the lion will eat straw like the ox. I may have read that in scripture. Now, an amillennialist will tell you that that's all spiritual. So I heard an amillennialist teach on that, and here's what he said. Lion means just kings. Lion's a king. The ox is a common day laborer. And the straw is just Kellogg's cornflakes. The king will eat what the servants eat. The king will be vegetarian. Everybody will be vegetarian. And that's their interpretation. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you do with the fact that a child plays on the viper's den? What do you do with the fact that the child leads a, a wild animal around? Like, you know, it's like, like, like a little boy runs in the house, Mama, 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 I just petted a cobra. Mama says, that's nice, sweetheart. Did you have a fun time with the cobra? Yeah, Mama. Cobra was smiling and sticking his little tongue out. And, and the cobra just tickled me with his little tongue. And everything all right? Well, you know what? That's not happening now. Hello. And the world is not at peace now. And they're not beating their their swords into plowshares now. And people are not living to be a thousand years old now. And there's not world peace now. Because we're not living in the millennial now. Jesus Christ is coming to set up a millennial kingdom thousand-year reign. Isn't that beautiful? Now, let me close because I'm out of time. I went past my time limit here. But if there is no thousand-year reign, if there is no thousand-year reign, someone says, well, a thousand years don't mean a thousand years. It's been going on for two or three thousand years. You know, it just means a long time. Well, I agree a thousand years is a long time, but it's also precise. Six times in Revelation 20, it says a thousand, 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 thousand. Get the message. It's a thousand. But here, if there is no thousand year reign, if Jesus Christ does not rule on the earth for a thousand years, if there isn't a millennial reign, then the devil won in some ways against Jesus. The devil won in some level. In, one, in some degree, the devil won against Jesus. I refuse to believe that. 
I do not believe the devil won. And I don't believe that Jesus set up a spiritual kingdom and now, you know, we still got the world chaos. I believe that everything the prophet said Jesus will do, Jesus will do. And without a millennial, without a thousand-year reign, without what I just talked about, the order of events in the future, without that, then the devil has won in some degree against Jesus Christ. And I refuse to believe that. Jesus was born a man on earth. He was our lamb. When Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He's the lamb. But Jesus is a king. Jesus is a king. And he was born on earth to be a king. And he will be a king on the earth for a thousand years. That's, that's, I mean, that's just plain and simple. We're going to give an invitation. Josh, come and bring a song. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Hope, hope it opened some eyes for you and, and showed you some things to think about. You know, if you, if you get into this amillennialism and thinking, well, you know, there's not really a literal uh, coming uh, thousand-year reign and you, and you kind of do replacement theology, Israel's no longer in the equation. Well, what about all the promises God made to Israel? Well, he's doing it through the church. That's not what the prophet said. The church is a poor substitute for Israel. And Israel is a poor substitute for the church. We're two different, two different, completely different bodies of people that Jesus Christ has made promises to. Israel and to his church. And I'm excited about the fact that Jesus Christ has made promises to the church. And in fact, he promised David that David would rule on the earth forever. What about David? He said, well, he's doing it through Jesus. Not the same. Not the same. Not the same. You see, our millennium says that, you know, we rule and that, and that Jesus is David. That, you know, because he was a descendant of David, that Jesus is David. Jesus ruled forever. Well, the honest truth is, Jesus is not David. And David is not Jesus. And a promise to David is a promise to David. And a promise to Jesus is a promise to Jesus. And if you don't get that, you're really mixed up. You're just really mixed up. Stand with me.